Remember that commercial a couple years ago where Amazon runs this ad where we see during the Super Bowl UAVs delivering your packages. These little drones and everybody was talking about it. It was so cool to see that. Well, maybe we're getting there or maybe that's the wrong focus. Our next guest, Josh Pavluk. Josh is a UAS, Unmanned Aerial Systems Expert. And he works with a company called Avicent. And he's here to tell you that this market is getting ready to explode. It's going to take off, but he's going to tell us why. And guess what? It may not be the small quadcopter UAS that you're thinking of. Maybe it's going to be the bigger craft. It might even be existing aircraft that are out there. Josh will walk us through how we're starting to inject intelligence into existing and new airframes. But that has enormous ramifications for the military, for how we do war, but also on the commercial side. How we lead our lives in farming, in medicine, in technology. Unmanned aerial systems could change everything we know about how we work. Little quadcopters delivering pizzas and burritos are nice, mm -hmm. but the really interesting market opportunity is on the back end of that, right? You know, larger aircraft that are automated um, that can deliver cargo from one warehouse to another warehouse. GovCon different. Ideas from the outside applied to GovCon to drive change. Josh, man, great to talk with you again. Yeah, great to be here, Eric. Excited to be at South by Southwest and talk more about UAS. There's a lot of excitement here in Austin about UAS. And I think really reflects the excitement in the industry that we're seeing. You know, excitement is an interesting thing. I'll get us going with the story. I remember years ago, I'm in a big defense contractor, probably one of the biggest on the planet. And robotics was the thing. It was 2007 and iRobot was in Iraq. And within this big company, there were so many people that were saying, we've got to get into this. So I was asked to lead this task force. And there was a whole group of the company that said, this is going to be a billion. It's going to be 10 billion. And my boss was saying, ah, I don't actually see it. Right now, these things are tightly tethered. They're remote control. You don't have the autonomy. That's what it's all about. So the reason I bring up that story is I've been down this road before. Like I'm looking right now and I'm hearing that the UAS market is going to grow from 9 billion to 22 billion in the next couple of years. And all kinds of folks, Frost and Sullivan and others are saying that. How do we really know, Josh, that this is going to happen? How do we really know that this market is poised to take off? So Eric, you know, one thing that I would start with is that the growth in the market has been continuous since the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. You know, you can go back to uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, and draw a straight line to the present um, with the growth that's taken place. Mm -hmm. So what is happening now, the growth that we're seeing in the market is a continuation of trends that have begun over 20 years ago. Okay. So what's driving that trend? A few different things. So one is technology. And you hit on it with autonomy. Um, and autonomy is a term that I think if you ask 20 different people, you're going to get 20 different definitions, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but in a word, it's increasing the control of the UAS um, by the actual aircraft, right? So it's less human control, more aircraft control. Um, okay, so one is the technology trend. Mm -hmm. The other trend is the use case, right? The mission. The mm -hmm. use case and missions are changing. People are thinking about new ways to use UAS in the commercial space 
and in the government space. Mm -hmm. That's also leading to increased um, demand. And the other factor here is just macro trends, okay. right? You know, you look at labor shortages, you look at conflict. Um, all of those factors coming together are driving the increase and leading us to this new part of the market um, that's really poised for even more significant growth than we've seen in the past. Mm. And I think you hit on it, Eric. The, you know, I think the single biggest trend here is autonomy mm -hmm. um, and um, the increasing control of the aircraft um, uh, by the aircraft itself. So there's a couple things I want to get into there because that's very interesting. This notion of use cases I want to go into. But before we do that, let's say I'm an investor and I'm saying, wow, Josh is telling me this market is going to grow. And hmm, the central part is this autonomy piece. What should I be looking for as an investor as far as changes in technology that are going to even further accelerate what we're talking about? So the first thing I would say if you're an investor is don't wait for the Sputnik moment, right? Yeah. Don't wait for the aha, okay, it's here, the aircraft are controlling themselves, right? And we have autonomy. Think of autonomy as a trade space, right? And the trade space, one end of the spectrum is the aircraft today, which are, you know, let's call them highly automated aircraft, mm -hmm. um, where humans have some involvement, but the aircraft are ultimately um, making some of the decisions, but they're not necessarily the critical decisions. Mm -hmm. And then on the other end of this trade space, you've got um, the aircraft making critical decisions. The human is not necessarily in the loop. In between that is the trade space that if I'm an investor, I'm looking at um, and looking for advances and movement in that trade space. Um, and um, as far as particular opportunities, you know, technologies that can involve anything from data links to um, improving artificial intelligence. Um, it could include um, cybersecurity. All of these technologies are going to advance us from the current part of the market, which is more focused on that automation, to more and more control by the aircraft. Okay, so interesting. We had on some guests over the past year, and they had different views on autonomy and AI. Some were saying that this is the dawn of a new era, that Thomas Edison, he wasn't onto anything compared to what this is going to be. Then we had others that were saying, you know what? These technologies are still very brittle, that they can be fooled easily. So for example, if you have a autopilot on a Tesla and you come up to a stop sign, you put some stickers on that stop sign, you can maybe mess up that autopilot. So those type of concerns, what are your thoughts on that as, as people are trying to wrap their minds around this market and these trends continuing to grow? So I would say that both of those perspectives are right. right? Okay. There's going to be a crawl walk run here as far as the development of the market. And that's why I say, don't wait for the Sputnik moment. You know, We're not gonna go to the airport in five years and get on a 737 without a pilot, right? You know, It's gonna take time to get to that point. And so you know, we're gonna start with more and more automation, um, delegating more and more control to the aircraft. So for example, um, certain critical decisions you know, may never be controlled by the aircraft, right? There may always be a human that's in the loop. And the human may be, um, uh, in the case of commercial aircraft, there may be a human um, on board the aircraft. There may be pilots um, off board the aircraft that are making those decisions. Um, but it's going to be a crawl, walk, run approach um, to get to, you know, that full autonomy um, in which 
you know, more and more of uh, the decisions are made by the aircraft. So when we think about, you mentioned use cases, and so often when we talk about technology, it can sometimes be disconnected from, hey, why does this matter in our lives? So what are some of these use cases? What are the scenarios? I mean, look, we all see Amazon had a commercial came out years ago during the Super Bowl. Wow, drones delivering packages and so forth. What's this really going to be like? As this market continues to trend upward, how's it going to change our lives? What's it going to look like? So let me break this down into two different pieces, the military and the commercial. So, you know, starting with the military market, um, the use cases of the future, if you look back, um, you know, to Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, the use case for UAS was really um, intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance, looking at objects, looking at people on the yeah. ground. Um, now we're moving into a situation, you can see it, you know, clearly in Russia, the Russia-Ukraine conflict, um, you know, where the nature of warfare is changing. And along with it, the nature of UAS are changing. So, you know, when I think about the ways in which UAS are going to be used in the military in the future, um, I would say think big and think small, right? There's an increasing dichotomy in the market that's going to look a lot different than the UAS of the past. Mm -hmm. So when I say think big, um, you know, I think about a, uh, you know, a client who told me a long time ago, um, the F-35 is going to be the last manned fighter. Right. Um, right. And so I think that, you know, tells you the direction we could go in the defense world where you have aircraft um, that have increasing uh, autonomy, um, have incre complex aircraft. And then you're going to see smaller aircraft, you know, that are more like the wide receivers. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, that work with that quarterback, that that autonomous aircraft. So when he told you that, what did you think when he said, ah, you know, the F-35, that's going to be the last major platform that's going to have a, a person. You know, I think the first thing you think is, you know, is, is that really possible, right? You know, mm -hmm. because, you know, it sounds good, but when you think about the complexities of what a fighter does, um, you know, that's, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot to, to unpack there. Now, that said, you know, DARPA, uh, you know, the, the, the Advanced Research Lab of mm -hmm. the Department of Defense is taking steps today to um, you know, enable automated dogfighting, right? And if you look back to 2020, um, there was actually uh, a, a, an AI that defeated a manned pilot in a simulation of a dogfight, yeah. right? So that shows you, okay, this technology isn't that far off. And you know, so that was sort of a you know a deep blue beats Kasparov, um, you know, Watson wins mm -hmm. at Jeopardy kind of moment, right? Mm -hmm. You know, where these aircraft. Um, you know, you, you realize it's not as far off. Um, but that said, you know, I, I think there's always going to be a role for the human, right? And, and, and the way that I like to think about this, and I think that um, Deputy, former Deputy Secretary, um, Secretary of Defense work put it well, you know, they're looking for Iron Man, not Terminator here, right? So yeah, it's, it's yeah. augmenting the capabilities of the human pilot to make better decisions mm -hmm. versus replacing that pilot completely. So if we dig into that deeper, and I love that uh, perspective, Ukraine right now, even at South by Cliff and I, at a lot of the events, people are talking about it. And in amazing ways, some of them are more government and military type presentations, but even across the board in tech, it's coming up. It's on people's minds, right? So... How in a conflict like Ukraine will UAS change warfare, right? Because I, I get I get the notion of you know the quarterback person in the loop and starting to think of more and more assets working together. 
or platforms, but let's drill down a little bit more. What's that look like right now? Because of course we have a humanitarian crisis, people that are just fleeing and flooding into Poland and so forth. So I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, so everything I just described, think of that, the quarterback and the wide receivers, right? And the sophisticated aircraft um, with the smaller UAS teaming with that aircraft. That is more of that future vision, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, Ukraine, I think, is an interesting case study, though, of how UAS technology is fast-forwarded even beyond what we saw five years ago. Mm -hmm. um, one, I, I think the single biggest revelation um, that has come out of Ukraine so far as you, uh, with regard to UAS is um, the ability of traditional UAS, let's say non-stealthy surveillance reconnaissance UAS to make a difference in contested airspace. Mm -hmm. Conventional wisdom was those types of you know, let's say traditional UAS had no role in contested airspace. Mm -hmm. You know, they would have no role in conventional warfare because they would be shot down, right? And I think the, the Ukrainians with the TB2, um, the Turkish drone that they're yeah, using yeah. to great effect, um, have proven that wrong, right? And there can be a lot of reasons for that. Um, but it's definitely a piece of conventional wisdom that we need to rethink. The, the other thing that I think is a couple other, you know, things that I think are interesting. Um, you know, one is, the use of commercial aircraft. Um, both the Ukrainians and reportedly the Russians are using commercial grade UAS for ISR, for scouting. Uh, okay. um, and you know, UAS that you could in theory buy off Amazon. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so you know, I, there's been a lot of talk about commercial technology and warfare. Mm -hmm. um, but now we're, we're seeing it, right? You yeah. know, where that commercial technology is being used um, by conventional militaries. You know, it's not just ISIS jury rigging an explosive yes. to a drone, right? These are you know, actual militaries that are using it. And there's a lot of implications, right? Mm -hmm. um, in terms of um, how the aircraft are used, what the rules of engagement are, what the role of the commercial company is, right? So that, you know, it's a, um, a development um, that you're seeing play, uh, play out. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing that, um, you know, I think is interesting here is the increasing talk of loitering munitions. Mm -hmm. um, Reportedly, you know, a rumor is that Ukraine has interest in loitering munitions, um, anti-armor, anti-take munitions. So think of this as a very small UAS, um, very cheap, um, that can be launched from a tube, loiter over its target when it finds its target, strike, right? And so um, very effective potential capability. Um, the Russians um, um, have at the very least been touting that capability, the extent to which they're using it, mm -hmm. I think is, is not very clear. Um, but what is clear is that um, this is the type of capability that I'd mentioned, the smaller UAS, the wide receivers, um, that at least in some form, you're seeing that play out um, in Ukraine. Yeah, and and so interesting. It's not what it's going to look like in the future. It's happening now. So I, I totally get that perspective. So you mentioned commercial as well, because we could probably talk, you know, most of our time down here in South by just on the military and the warfare. But commercial-wise, what what's it going to be like? I mean, it, is it going to be where I'll have I open up my door and I'm seeing the drone from Amazon or somebody or Walmart drop off the package? What are some of the exciting use cases that you're seeing that we're going to change our lives? The biggest thing that I see in commercial is the movement away from quadcopters mm. and what people would think of as a traditional commercial UAS. Um, and the, the trend is absolutely towards 
greater autonomy within larger aircraft. Uh-huh. Um, so let me put this another way. You know, little quadcopters delivering pizzas and burritos are nice. Mm-hmm. But the really interesting market opportunity is on the back end of that, right? You know, larger aircraft that are automated um, that can deliver cargo from one warehouse to another warehouse, right? So that's the type of opportunity that I'm seeing more of um, is those larger aircraft that are automated for use cases from cargo to um, potentially um, indu- greater industrial um, use cases with um, more sophisticated sensors that be- can be carried because of the greater um, weight of the aircraft. Um, and eventually even passenger aircraft, yeah. right? You know, where passenger aircraft, you know, there may always be a pilot on board, um, but at the very least, you can envision a future in which there's greater automation, greater autonomy, um, and the pilot, um, at least one of the pilots, is off board the aircraft. Mm-hmm. So, you know, commercial UAS, more than quadcopters, there is a bigger trend here, um, which has the potential for um very significant significant market spend. You know, interesting, you see all this video gear around you in this room, and we've spent the last couple of days in Austin moving this stuff. And we were actually kidding the other day when we were going up the steps, and I said, hey, we're gonna be talking to Josh, and you know what, I wonder if UAVs could be moving this stuff for us in a couple of years. Because, you know, we're doing shoots and quickly, we're at 10 o'clock in one place, we gotta be at 11 over another, and we're hauling all of this stuff. When would that be? I mean, uh, is that two years out, five years out? I mean, because I would love that. We would love to have a, you know, a UAV that would lift up this equipment and take it to the Hilton, you know, and we're over at the Marriott type of thing. So thoughts on the timing of it? So as far as timing of the market, um, automation of aircraft um, for, let's say, a cargo use case, it's here, right? The technology is here. Um, you know, there are people who have you know, demonstrated this technology. Um, but um, you know, making that into a market at scale um, is going to be um, a different uh, a different proposition, right? Mm-hmm. So regulations need to catch up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, scaling up the customer base, um, right? Expanding the use cases, mm-hmm. um, all of those things um, you know need to happen. Um, I would also say that um, you know there's certain technology. Um, uh, aspects of this that need to be worked out still. Yeah. Um, but the fundamental technology to provide increasing automation to an aircraft, um, you know, it's it's there. Um, there's a DARPA program, for example, um, you know, that that's looking at this. Just just one of the examples. Um, but think of it as um, giving a brain to an aircraft that already exists, right? And and, and implanting a brain. Right, and you see this interest on the commercial world, um, in the military world. So, you know, the automated aircrafts, the increasingly autonomous aircrafts of the future, they don't need to look like something new. It can be the aircraft that we already know, mm-hmm. but with a brain. Okay, so that's interesting. This notion of injecting intelligence into existing platforms. But you know, I remember years ago, like we talked before, and I'm not in any way a, a UAS expert, but I've worked around it on the periphery. And I remember folks saying that the FAA sense and avoid type challenges, uh, you're not going to go as far as you want to in this market because of those regulations. 
To those folks, what do you say that is saying, nah, nah, the regs are going to hold us back? I, I would say that the FAA has clearly made you know, tremendous strides over the past several years. And it's a tough job, right? To, to, and their job, first and foremost, is safety, right? And, and you've got to balance economic progress you know, with safety, of course. But there, have, there has been progress. Um, you, know, you can look at the establishment, for example, of a, a rules committee for beyond visual line of sight operations of UAS. Mm -hmm. um, you can look at um, uh, regulations that govern the use of UAS over people and at night. Um, the FAA has been making strides. Um, it, so, you know, there's, there's always a balance here, right, mm -hmm. in terms of regulations um, and the progress. And, and I think that, you know, one way in which you're going to see this market play out is that um, you're going to see use cases that are relatively let's say, safer start. You know, so for cargo, for example, um, are you going to see cargo aircraft flying over cities autonomously um, before you see them fly, uh, flying over um, rural areas right. um, or over water? No, right? You know, so you're going to start with areas that you know are relatively lower risk mm -hmm. um, and then eventually build up to those use cases um, that, you know, at least in theory, would present um, greater risk. Are any of those tests or pilots happening now where folks in places like Arizona or Montana or something like that are beginning to explore this and test it a little bit? You know, I think that you see certain jurisdictions, um, you know, definitely getting ahead of UAS. Um, North Dakota, you know, is a great example of a state that, you know, I think is looking at, um, you know, the advantages um, to using UAS. Um, you know, there, so there are definitely cases that you can point to um, you know, one of the, um, you know, the, the other interesting use cases potentially is delivering medicine mm -hmm. to people in rural areas, mm -hmm. um, delivering broadband, um, right, to people who don't have it in yeah. rural areas. So, you know, those are situations when you're in a rural area, when you're in an area that, you know, to begin with is a relatively lower risk for U, uh, UAS, um, but the need and the use cases there you know, I think those are the, the great opportunities, you know, that, that you'll start to see first. So there's so many great opportunities, and I do really want the one where we can move video gear. I mean, I'll invest in that one, right? <laughs> Instead of carrying it up these steps. All right, so there's so many cool things that you can do with UAS. And I get, good friend of mine, he spent his career, he's in the Air Force now, and he works autonomy for them, but he spent his life designing UAVs and all that. And I understand the passion for it that you have, but I will look at this from a different angle. And I know it's an angle that, that you've thought about. There are folks that say, hey, there are downsides to all of this automation and all of these UAS and systems. What do you see as the downsides? So I think the, the downside is, you know, first and foremost, relying too much on the machine or on mm -hmm. the aircraft. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I think of, you know, when I was a kid and you know, I wasn't allowed to just use the calculator. Right. You right. know, I had to learn how the math worked. Yeah. I think there's a real risk here of relying too much on the calculator. Right. And so the human decision making um, I, still has to factor in here. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and there are going to be critical decisions, critical moments where the human needs to play a role. But you also need to trust the aircraft. Mm -hmm. And so trust Huge deal here, right? Because if you're not trusting the aircraft, then you're always looking over its shoulder. Yeah. And then what's the point of the automation? So, you know, and, and, and I think there's also 
a bigger issue here around how much um, of a role does the human play? Mm-hmm. We know that the human you know, should play a role, but what is the nature of that role right. uh, over time? I think still open for debate. And you know, the, I, the conventional wisdom in the US is that the human will always be in the loop in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, however, are our adversaries gonna think that way necessarily, exactly. right? Maybe not. And then I think, and, and, if, and if they're going to take the human out of the loop, and speed decision making because everything is automated, mm-hmm. then there's a real decision, right? In terms of, well, are we at a disadvantage, right? Mm-hmm. And and you know that's that's down the road, yeah. But that's that's a potential downside of going down that road. You know, when we talked to Secretary Work, and he had a fascinating perspective that, from a OODA loop point of view, from a decision making that those that don't get involved, militaries in this market or intel agencies, they will be left behind that if you or I are analysts working at CIA, we will not be able to keep up. But when I think about, you know, I worked in the Office of Transnational Issues in CIA. It was incredibly complicated. These were the most important missions, of course, you could imagine, right? Transnational issues, terrorism, insurgency, narco-trafficking, all of these type of things. So you mentioned a word, trust. And that's interesting to me because if I'm the director of OTI, how can I trust, and from a traceability, right, how can I really trust that these autonomous UAS systems are going to really deliver the mission and that I can see every step of the way what's going on? What are your thoughts on that? That is a big deal. And there are people working on that today, yeah. right, trying to figure out how can I validate or confirm trust. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard issue, right, to, to do. But um, it's going to be really important. Um, but there are... You know, people out there um, that are that are working on that. You know, figuring out what does um, what is the way to validate trust. Um, I, I, I should say though, you know, what trust is and, and your comfort with trust is going to depend on the use case for the UAS or for AI in, in 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 general. You know, so for example, not every use case um, is going to involve. Um, you know, battlefield warfare. Right. There are a lot of, you know, uh, let's say, you know, more innocuous or, you know, boring use cases. Yeah, for AI, we're delivering right? wheat in North Dakota or something right. like that. Right, logistics, yeah. um, you know, areas where you're willing to accept a little bit more risk. And so, you know, perhaps for those use cases, you're okay with, a, you know, a little bit more of a gray area, right? You know, but for the most critical decisions, you know, that, that trust, if, if you don't have it, you're not going to be able to to get to that stage. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And there's so many interesting aspects because I think about, let's say, China. Maybe they won't worry about having a human in the loop. And those decisions will be tough. And this is forcing us, even if you talked about in Ukraine, it's forcing us to think about things differently. We didn't even think about use cases that you suggested that are happening right now with the Turkish drone and so forth. So I want to kind of think from a scenario point of view, but real scenarios, when you were in the boardroom 10 years ago, and we were talking about UAS and, oh, this was going to be great, versus now, what are those conversations? What were people saying about autonomy and AI back then? What are they saying now when you're in these boardrooms? Because I know you spend a lot of time with clients and, and advising in these matters. So what was it like then? What's it like now? So I would say that 10 years ago, there was a feeling that AI UAS, more specifically, 
was really about um, Iraq and Afghanistan. There was a very specific use case, um, surve uh, surveillance over um, uncontested airspace, and that was the purpose for right. UAS, right? And anything beyond that, you know, there, you know, is skepticism, you know, to what extent is autonomy going to increase? To what extent um, is there going to be increasing role of commercial technology? Mm -hmm. You know, I saw a lot of skepticism, frankly, around that. Um, that is changing. Okay. You know, I today, um, the question is not, is autonomy going to play a greater role? Um, it's how, right? Mm -hmm. And then how do I get there? How do I get my hands on this technology? And you can see that, um, you know, within um, the, you know, for example, the M&A activity that's taking place in the market, mm -hmm. a lot of activity around autonomous systems. You can see it, you know, when people think about strategy, how do I engage the commercial world? Um, you know, to what extent do I adopt commercial technology or partner with commercial companies? Mm -hmm. Now, these are all questions that 10 years ago would have been unthinkable, mm -hmm. right? But there's been a real change in how people are thinking about this and, and what they're willing to accept. Yeah, interesting. So when we where we started off almost, is there truth that this market is going to continue to trend? That tells you absolutely. If all the companies you're talking about, it's not a question of should we, it's oh, no, no, no. We are, how are we going to do it? That's certainly a... An indicator, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's and it's not just companies, but it's you know investors. You know, I think mm -hmm. COVID in many ways accelerated, you know, this this trend um, that you already saw with autonomous systems. You know, where I think in in some ways you can almost view them as a growth stock mm -hmm. of the aerospace and defense sector. Um, but you know, don't look at it as a meme, right? You know, yeah, there's yeah. there's real potential here. Everything we've been talking about. How did COVID accelerate it? I think that what people real, uh, realized on the commercial world is that um, you know there are underlying drivers. Um, you know when you look at labor and the use of labor, mm -hmm. um, when you look at cargo and e-commerce, um, you know all of those factors were were in motion before COVID, mm -hmm. right? Labor shortages, um, growing e-commerce. You can look back to 2011 um, domestic. Air transportation cargo has been increasing, um, but COVID really accelerated that. And so, you know, the use of data um, and and using it in different ways um, from a remote perspective, you know, COVID really accelerated all of that. And so, I think on the commercial side of things, you know, there's a lot of underlying factors that are in motion here. Um, that you know, as as I was saying, they were in place, but COVID, um, you know, really moved that forward. Now, it was there also this notion of medicine, you know, when COVID hit, of course, and we're all in lockdown. So were there cases where folks were starting to use drones to actually deliver medicine? And if so, my question to you is, how did that potentially loosen up some of the regulations, you know, because there was a real need to use them. Love to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, so it, it, absolutely. I mean, there have been cases where people have used UAS to deliver medicine, and you saw that during COVID. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's had some impact on regulations, right? You know, where people can um, get exemptions, you know, for that sort of activity. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I th I'd say the bigger impact is just, you know, continuing to prove out the use case, continuing to prove that this stuff works, yeah. right? And that is the single biggest fundamental impact when you look into the long term um, that the past two years have proven is, is that this stuff works, right? And, yeah. and it's increased the confidence. So a couple questions in wind down, and I appreciate because I know you'll be speaking at South by Southwest on a panel, 
and I appreciate you stopping by. There's such an interesting atmosphere down here, frankly, of sharing of ideas. So it's really cool. But a couple thoughts in wind down. One is you obviously have a lot of passion and energy for this market. What's the thing when we think about the future of this market that really excites you the most? So the biggest thing that excites me is waiting for the use cases and the things that nobody has thought about yet. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the cool things about drones is that you know, people have found new ways to use them that nobody could have ever imagined. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I love the example of you know, people 10 years ago you know, roughly you know, realized, oh, well, I can use a UAS to follow somebody when they're skiing down a mountain. Right, and yep. and who would have ever thought about that when you were actually developing the UAS? Yes, you know, and on the the military side, you know, using the smaller UAS that don't even look like aircraft, you know, in some ways, unmanned aerial system is a misnomer, mm -hmm. right? Because you know these, in, in some ways, look like uh, more like a, a weapon system than a UAS on the military right. side, increasingly. So people are constantly thinking about new ways to use UAS, um, and ultimately, it's going to be up to people. Right, you know, as much as we're talking about robots, as much as we're talking about automation, it's the people that make this market. You know, if you go to a UAS um, manufacturing facility, um, you know, the the image might be some dystopian world, right? You know, where robots are building right, robots, right. but the reality is, it's people. It's a very, uh, it's a process that's built on know-how, um, and it's the designers. The people who have the know-how in manufacturing, um, and ultimately, it's going to be the people who think about the new use cases, the people who develop this technology. And so to me, that's really the exciting thing here, is thinking about where people are going to take this. You know, you mentioned the use cases, and there are folks, I'm sure, narco traffickers and others, that use these things and say, wow, Josh, is, all of you guys are working and advancing these things, great, we'll use them for human trafficking. I imagine those use cases are being thought through as well of how we counter them. Absolutely. So counter UAS um, also, and you hit on it, Eric, you know, in addition to the UAS itself, um, is, is, has been a big growth area. Um, and there's you know, a lot of different ways you can counter them you know, from a military perspective. You, know, you could use, um, you know, let's say, something that looks like an electro, uh, an RF signal, right, that can... Um, essentially jam um, the UAS. Mm -hmm. um, you could use, for larger U, uh, UAS, um, something like a, uh, a directed energy um, uh, pulse, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's different ways that you can counter UAS from a military perspective. On the commercial side, it could be as uh, something that looks like hacking into the UAS, right, and yeah. then taking it over. Um, so there's all sorts of ways. There's not a one-size-fits-all but as the UAS market has grown, 100%, the counter UAS part of this has grown as well. So it's this, you know, this, this cat and mouse game um, that you can see on both sides of the coin here. You know, it's a crazy world we live in. I live in Warrington, Virginia, and I'm out in my backyard with my little dog. I've got this eight pound white little Bichon and he's crazy. But I'm out there reading, because a lot of times he begs me to be out in the backyard, so I'm doing work back there. And I hear something, you know, kind of buzzing, like, is that a bee or whatever? And at some point I look up, I don't know, several hundred yards up, there's a little quadcopter. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, we live in interesting times. Privacy in some ways, whether it's with our phones, with UAS, all that. Back to your point, there's so many use cases, scenarios that the technology has come along so fast that we're on the fly trying to think through them. 
So it's one of the most fascinating issues uh, that I can think of to talk through. So my last question to you. On your panel today, and you're gonna talk about, hey, not only these small things, the big UAS, that's where we really need to be looking. What are your, when you're down here at South by Southwest and UAS and so forth, what are you looking at down here, Josh? What are you hoping to learn from others as well as provide your expertise on this market? So what I'm looking for others is the the multiple different pieces of technology that go into this. Mm-hmm. Um, so to make a more autonomous aircraft reality, it's it's not just about the aircraft, right? It's the software, it's the data links, it's the computing power, um, all of those things and many other things go into this. And so, um, and it's not just bespoke, you know, okay, let's just develop it for this aircraft, right? Mm -hmm. Commercial technology is gonna play a big role here. So, you know, when I'm down here at South by Southwest, it's, it's looking at those technologies and looking at technologies that don't necessarily even on the face of it have anything to do with robotics yeah. and thinking about how do you apply those and not just to a new aircraft. And we were talking about it earlier. It could be taking something that already exists and making it smarter, augmenting the human, making that human into Iron Man, right? Yeah. You know, where that human is making better decisions. Um, and that starts with, um, you know, many different technologies. Um, and many of them are rooted in the commercial world. Um, so really important to be here at a place like South by Southwest um, and see what's happening in that commercial world and how those technologies can ultimately affect auto- uh, autonomy, both in the commercial and in the government space. Okay, awesome. Josh, really appreciate you dropping by today to talk with us on UAS. Fascinating conversation. Great to be here, Eric. Yeah, great discussion. All right, man. Hopefully we'll see you out there tonight. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, looking forward to it. (laughs) Okay, great. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, thank you. One of the cool things about being at South by Southwest, and we've had an amazing time here over the past couple days, is that you have expertise all over the place, whether it's in UAS, whether it's in dance, whether it's in agriculture, whether it's in commercial space. So it's been so cool to talk with people like Josh and a couple key takeaways that really hit me. One is this notion of in Ukraine and how UAS are already being used in ways we didn't anticipate. And Josh's idea is that we need to be creating more scenarios and in some ways they are creating themselves. I also liked his thinking and his positivity, his encouraging attitude toward this notion that, yeah, there's always going to be a human in the loop. We're not talking about Skynet. We're not talking about automating everything and having that sort of recklessness. But he posed some interesting questions as well about what happens if China and others do go fully automated. How would we deal with that? So Josh really, as far as I'm concerned, he's stimulating a lot of thinking that companies, individuals, professionals, countries need to be thinking about. As always, hit us up on social media, all the different platforms. It has been great to talk to so many of you in Austin. And I've got to say, if there's anything that South by Southwest will tell you and show you, keep being different. It is where the good stuff is. GovCon Different. Ideas from the outside applied to GovCon to drive change. It's like TED Talks meets the federal space. Different ideas from different industries uncovered, unvarnished, and smashed together to produce change in the government space. Join us as we explore a world of GovCon possibilities.